You're listening to the Hiccups and History podcast, hosted by a very tired college student. This episode was mastered by Trey DeFalco. <laughs> when I was younger, I loved football. The smell of the grass, the warm summer's air, the sound of shoulder pads and helmets colliding with one another. It's truly a magic... What? Wait, it's soccer? Oh. Oh. Oh, no. Uh, I'll be right back. Sports are an ancient and integral part of human civilization. From foot races to wrestling, archery, boxing, chariot races, that one Aztec sport that is a mixture of basketball, racquetball, and ritualistic human sacrifice. Sports have been around for a long, long time. And as many sports fans can attest, where there are sports, there's also competition. And that competition often creates teams. And when teams are formed, rivalries are developed. And those rivalries can get pretty heated. Now, I hail from the United States, where football, baseball, and basketball reign supreme. And rivalries are something I'm pretty used to. You know, Bears versus Packers, Golden State Warriors versus the Cleveland Cavaliers, New York Yankees versus the Boston Red Sox. The list goes on and on. These rivalries, however pale in comparison to the intensity of soccer, or as the rest of the world calls it, football rivalries. I have done a fair bit of research and have discovered some very serious hatred between some of the football teams from around the world, and the rivalries between them can sometimes get pretty bloody, actually. However, the worst case of sports rivalry-based escalation of violence occurred in July of 1969. You see, while the U.S. was experiencing the famed Summer of 69, which inspired so many love songs, Honduras and El Salvador were experiencing a summer of hatred, which inspired a hundred hours of war. I'm talking open, actual war. Now, before I begin, I would like to clarify that wars are very complex things. They are fires born from a thousand tiny sparks, and very few wars are ever caused by a singular event. That being said, most wars have a boiling over point, an event or a trigger which caused those thousand sparks to finally ignite the fire. For World War I, it was the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. For the American Civil War, it was the election of Abraham Lincoln. For the Hundred Hours War we are going to be talking about today, it was a series of riots caused by the outcome of the qualifying matches of the 1970 FIFA World Cup between Honduras and El Salvador. Building up to the riot and war, Honduras and El Salvador were at odds with one another over a myriad of issues. Land reform and immigration were the two big ones, however. You see, many Salvadorians had migrated to Honduras. Honduras is about five times the size of El Salvador, but El Salvador had about 40% more population density than Honduras. So many of the Salvadorian people migrated into Honduras. However, the majority of the land being held in Honduras was actually owned by corporations and large landowners meaning that even though it was bigger, there was still no more land to go around. So all of these migrants just ended up moving from one extremely overcrowded, overpopulated area into another one. This led to calls for land reform from both Hondurians and Salvadorian people. 
as well as immigration reforms from both sides. However, this time it was for different reasons. By 1969, a full 20% of the Honduran population was Salvadorian. So it's needless to say that tensions were high, there wasn't a lot of elbow room to go around, and everybody was about ready to start cutting everybody else's throats. These issues ended up boiling over in the summer of 1969 when, in June, El Salvador and Honduras faced one another on the field of combat. The football field, that is. You see, both teams were competing against one another for a shot at the FIFA World Cup held in Mexico that year. The first leg of the competition went to Honduras, who won at a home game in their capital, resulting in a few minor riots and street brawls. The next week, El Salvador answered back and tied the competition with a win of their own at home in their own capital. Again, riots and street fighting occurred. Tensions were on the rise, and final match was being held in neutral Mexico. Mobs of fans flocked into the city from both countries in preparation for the climactic final showdown. On the eve of the final match, political ties were actually severed between the two countries. The match would begin and end in a matter of hours and set the stage for a war between the two nations. El Salvador would win the match, and the Mexican police would have to step in to prevent a full-scale riot between the two groups of fans. Fun fact, El Salvador would actually end up losing the next subsequent couple matches, and the whole thing would end up coming to nothing. As tensions rose, a Polish journalist by the name of Kapuskinski recounts in his memoirs about seeing graffiti which read, Nobody beats Honduras, and we shall avenge 3-0. Now, graffiti like this is pretty box standard for most sports-based rivalries. Just walk downtown most cities where there's a rivalry, you'll see plenty of graffiti derailing one side or the other. However, in context of what's about to happen, a lot of this graffiti seems uncharacteristically prophetic. Days later, on July 8th, border raids and skirmishes would break out, and days after that, on July 14th, 1969, the Salvadorian Air Force launched a bombing raid into Honduras, and war was officially declared. Now, when I say bombing raid, I don't want you to picture World War II era flying fortresses, you know, flying high over Honduras and dropping bombs. I also don't want you to think of more modern-era jet bombers carpet-bombing a strip of land. Instead, I want you to picture the El Salvadorian Air Force requisitioning transport aircraft and strapping bombs to them to be dropped over the enemy. Truly, the pinnacle of air combat. In fact, before I dive into the ground combat, I want to point out that both sides of this conflict fielded World War II-era fighters. This war would in fact be the last piston-engined war, the last time we would see dogfighting between propellered aircraft, the kind of dogfighting combat which inspired Star Wars. Such a historic moment sparked by a soccer match. Moving on, once the historical dogfighting got underway, the ground action would commence. The fighting would be fierce, with El Salvador starting things off with an invasion of Honduras along two fronts. Honduras would counterattack and even push into El Salvador. Both sides would deploy armored units and deal significant amounts of casualties. Unfortunately, a lot of those casualties were civilian. By the time the OAS, or Organization of American States, could broker a ceasefire, roughly 3,000 people had been killed over the course of just 100 hours. Most of those 3,000 were civilians, as I said previously, and most of those civilians were Honduran in origin. Fun fact, airline services between the two nations were actually disrupted for over a decade. I guess those propeller planes were more effective than we thought. The two nations would have peace for a time, but conflict would soon occur again around 1976 and would last until 1980. 
It is said that neither side forgot the events of the football war and that both sides held a grudge. In fact, most of the issues which originally sparked the war had not been settled or solved in any way. Honduras still was overcrowded and had so much land to give, but all owned by corporations and large landowners. El Salvador was still smaller and with a larger population density, despite the migrations. Eventually, as stated previously, in 1980, peace would finally come between the two nations and they would stop battling one another. Instead, they would start having civil wars on and off for the next couple years. In fact, the whole area is still a bit of a powder keg ready to blow. There is a reason South and Central American geopolitics is a course track you can follow in most poli-sci courses. All that being said, I want to fully close out today's shorter episode by saying I love sports. Many of you love sports, and that is fine. Sports are great. Sports are not worth going to war over. <laughs> I love football. I love the Chicago Bears. I'm not going to declare war on Green Bay. If I declared war on Green Bay every time the Packers beat the Bears, I would be going to war at least once a year, and that is something I just don't have the time for. Thank you for listening to the Hiccups in History podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show.